Well, I'm glad you're with us. If you are online or listening on the phone, Miss Alice and maybe Miss Shirley, uh, we are saying good morning to you, and you are listening to First Baptist Church, and welcome. I'm Pastor Mark, and so glad that you are here. Good morning. So now we're going to go into our scripture reading for today, and that's out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And uh, just listen to these verses. Uh, there's, a, there's a verse that applies to, to everyone here today. Amen. All right. It says, uh, verse, five, uh, verse, uh, verse 1, chapter 5, says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when uh, he was seated, uh, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Uh, blessed are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Uh, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, blessed are you when they revile um, and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Uh, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For those who, who uh, for those, for for so they persecuted uh, the prophets uh, who were before you. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's start this message off with a question. What if you could be content no matter how tough life got? Would that be something you'd be interested in? Would you like to be content? Regardless of how life was going? Yep. Me too. <laughs> what if you could know for certain that things are going to turn out okay? Now, Jesus tells us that could happen, right? So, without a doubt, that can happen. Today, I have a sermon on a sermon. In fact, this is the most famous sermon ever preached. Matthew chapters 5 through 7 contains Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And people crowded on this hillside to hear it. They had followed him all over the place. And Jesus sat down before them, just like, like was normal for a rabbi to do before he started teaching. And then Jesus shared the beginning of this sermon in what we call the Beatitudes. Now, the word Beatitude means blessed. That's a Latin word, so now you can tell everybody that you know how to speak Latin. To be blessed is much more than just being happy. It's, it's to be a condition where you know that you're okay because God said that you are. You ever been there? Did you know that? Regardless of what you're feeling, regardless of what's going around on, on around your life, that you have this profound sense 
of God's joy and peace. Now, you might feel down. You might feel a little flat. You might be up there, right? But it doesn't matter because you can still be blessed at the same time. Blessedness is much more than just an emotion. It's a certainty that God's going to take care of you. And that ultimately, things are going to turn out okay. Do you have that in your life? Do you want that in your life? If you don't, tell me why. Now, Jesus shares some blessings that are available now and some that are reserved you know, for a little bit later on in life. For instance, his first and his last Beatitudes serve as bookends to, to immediate blessings. It says, there's, there, there's is the kingdom of heaven, which means that it's, that's already unfolding. Then the other Beatitudes that are in the middle, you know, they carry a future promise. Promises that we have to wait for until, until God brings it, you know, brings it to us whether that's here or, or, you know, in the new heaven and new earth. But others are for us right now as we follow God. So, condensed, super condensed version. This says, Blessed are the spiritually humble, the sorrowful, the patient, those spiritually hunger for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, and those who are persecuted for doing right. That's the condensed version. But I'm going to unpack these a little bit. Not very long, because I know you, know, you want to get down there to the women's tea, right? First, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, these are people who are desperate for God. They recognize their great need for his spirit and and they just can't get enough. Do you know anybody like that? They just wants more and more and more of Jesus in their life. That's a great place to be. If you're not there, strive for it. For that hunger and that thirst. This is the lady who, who is so broken over her sin that she washes Jesus' feet with her hair that you find in Luke 7, verses 30. Uh, chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. It's the tax collector who beats his chest at the wall, praying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, in Luke 18, verse 13. And Jesus promises those who are poor in spirit already have the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you know you're going to be desperate for God, that you're spiritually bankrupt without him, then you're there. If you know that, that you are nothing without the Lord, that you can't do anything without him, then you're there. You've arrived. And as Jesus would say, that the kingdom of God is at hand. You're living in the kingdom because you're desperate for God to come through and into your life. Are you there? Would you consider yourself poor in spirit? Be blessed as you recognize your utter dependence by the only one that can save you. The only one who can give you the strength and endurance and purpose and unconditional love. If you, learn, if, if you yearn for God, 
above anything else, then, beloved, you have the kingdom of heaven already. It's yours. Then you would be poor in spirit. Next, Jesus tells us that blessed are those who mourn. Those who grieve the loss of someone or something. And grief is, is a funny thing. Because we grieve, we mourn some of the, the, you know, the, the, the most interesting thing. It's not, not always just a person. You know, people can grieve things. You can grieve, for me, one of the things that, that, that I grieve is, is the, the innocence, the lost innocence of our country. You know, that grieves me that, that we have that no more. And I, and I pray for that to, to get renewed. So we can grieve things along with those that we lose, people that we lose. Now, I know some of you live this out as you walk, you know, without your mate by your side, without a child in, that you've lost. You know, maybe it was the perfect job, whatever it is. We all grieve something or have grieved you didn't know how you were going to survive but you did one day at a time with God's help I can't tell you how many families I've stood in a ICU with as they helplessly look at their loved one um, in the bed and how many times a person has said to me pastor this is tougher than anything I've ever endured and it is. But God does bring comfort. Mourning also includes this deep sense of grief over our sin. As we grow closer to God, we begin to hate our sin as much as God hates it. Don't you do that? When you do something that you know is a sin and you, and, and, and you do it, don't, doesn't it bother you? When we mourn our sin, God comforts us and draws us closer to him. Just like David's confession in Psalm 51, 17, where it tells us God is, is near the brokenhearted. Thirdly, Jesus promises blessings for us. For the, for the meek, he says, the meek will inherit the earth. Now, a lot of people misunderstand the word meek because they, you know, they think that meek is weak, right? You ever hear that? Don't, don't you think, I mean, that's how I grew up, you know? I mean, somebody that's quiet and, and you know, soft-spoken, they, they, they're not as strong as anybody with a big voice and a big attitude, right? It's just not, just not the case. That's just not true. The Bible says that, that Moses was meek in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Jesus called himself meek in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. So just those two examples tells us that meek is not equal to weak, amen? Moses and Jesus are anything but weak. So what does it mean? That a meek person is gentle. My favorite definition of meek is power under control. 
power under control. That's what meekness is. You see, it's one thing to be powerful, one thing to be strong, but it's another thing to be able to have the strength to keep that strength under control. A meek husband never uses his strength to intimidate or hurt his wife. He protects her. A meek person keeps his or her tongue under control and refuses to gossip about another. Meekness rejects the power struggles of life, the violence, the the manipulation that is present in our life in the world today. Sometimes we wonder if those power mongers are are getting away with it. But Jesus tells us the meek shall inherit the earth. And ultimately, those who keep their power under control for the good of others and for the glory of God, they get to inherit the earth. Do you consider yourself meek? Then Jesus goes on. Next, he talks about those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These are the people that that crave for an end to the oppression and the evil and exploitation in the world. John Wesley, the founder of the the Methodist religion, reflected the the spirit of this beatitude when he declared, there is no holiness without social holiness. People who ache to see the world's wrong righted, who yearn for people to be treated fairly and honorably, They reflect the heart of God. Jesus simply says that they're going to be filled. They're going to be filled with the Spirit. They're going to be filled with Him. And brothers and sisters, someday God's going to bring the the righteousness fully on a new earth. And His people are going to experience life as it's meant to be. Don't you want to see that too? Do you hunger? Do you thirst for the righteousness? Do the the things out in in the world that are wrong, do they bother you? Do you pray about them? Do you see if you can be a part of the solution or or, or help? See, because what happens is as we go through these Beatitudes, we find ourselves, I think, where we find we insulate ourselves. We look at these things, but, but, but we don't grab a hold of any of this stuff. How many of you, you, you read the news or you hear the news and, and you get angry? The shootings. You know, the, the white-collar crime against other people. It just kind of glazes over us. For just for a minute, we might get angry about it. But we don't take it up. It's just part of life. It's the way the world is, right? And that's not a judgment, but this is an opportunity for us to reevaluate and maybe find something that we can help with. Then Jesus turns and he says that blessed are the merciful. Stating that, that, that they shall in turn get mercy. Isn't this what we pray the Lord in the Lord's Prayer? 
Forgive me not. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Isn't that what we're asking for? We're asking for mercy. But that's only a part of Jesus' model prayer where Jesus, you know, gives this to, to the disciples on how to pray. He says in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive others their sins, your Father is not going to forgive you. You understand what that means, right? Because that's big. Those are Jesus' words. If you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. Do you have people that you haven't forgiven? Have you really given yourself to Christ? Y'all holding grudges? Time to let them go. If you want to be merciful, you have to treat people better than they deserve. That's hard for us, isn't it? That's hard for us. A person cuts you off in traffic, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. All those colorful words start coming out, right? Sometimes you speed up, you know, ride your bumper for about a mile or so. I'm working on this, guys. You pull back. Let them get in front of you. They're in a bigger hurry than you are. I'm still working on it. Person talks bad about you. You get your you get your gander all up, right? Imagine that maybe those people are hurting somehow. You don't know what's going on in their lives. Maybe they have some insecurity because of something that's happened in their life. Those people that put you down, you don't know what's going on. Don't take it personally. Pray for them. The old, there's an old saying that says, hurting people hurt people. Did you ever hear that? If somebody is hurting, if they've got something going on in life, they tend to be a little bitter. They tend to react before they, you know, before they control their feelings. If you have trouble forgiving somebody, contemplate for a while how much God has forgiven you. He sent his son to die for us, right? If you want mercy, you have to give mercy. Then Jesus says next that, that blessed are the pure in heart. And he promises that they will see God. Now the Bible tells us that no one can see God and live, right? So this is a future promise. This tells us that, that if, if we're pure in heart, that we're going to see God. To be pure in heart means that, that you're sold out for Christ. He's your master. You're the slave. You're the servant. He's the potter. We're the clay. End of discussion. There is no gray area. There is no anybody in between. It's us and him. 
individually. Now the rabbis of Jesus' time, they were, they were working on a set of laws to keep a person pure. Men, men made laws like not touching a dead body. That made you unclean. Eating the right foods. You know, th- those kind of things. So many laws that no, there's no way nobody could, could keep them all. <coughs> then Jesus came along and he says, it's not what's on the outside of a person that counts. It's what's in their heart. The innermost being. That's what counts. Beloved, a pure heart leads to outward purity. But acts of outward purity don't always indicate a pure heart. Does that make sense? You know a lot of people that, that, that do good stuff, but they might not have a good heart. So even today you see a lot of people who act very religiously, but they don't really seem to love God. They don't show God. Some of them don't even love people. What's that all about? That tells me that something is wrong with the purity of their heart. Something is going on. The next thing is blessed are the peacemakers who will be called children of God. Peacemakers certainly include helping people to reconcile, but it's more than that. It includes the Jewish concept of shalom, peace, a wholeness, a well of well-being. Now, I, am I the only one here that doesn't always feel whole? The only one that, that doesn't always have a, a feeling of well-being? I know you think that I'm a preacher and because I, I stand up here that, that I'm closer to God than you are. The only reason I'm closer to God right now is because I'm standing taller. I'm up here. I am nowhere spiritually closer to God than any of you are. Peacemakers do everything they can to promote the well-being of others. To help others to become the best person they possibly can be. And see, God wants the same thing. He's certainly going to add peacemakers to his family, isn't he? He wants them to be blessed. He wants them to be a part. He wants them to become his own children. I mean, can you imagine how radical the concept of peacemaking must have sounded to Jesus' listening, who, who, were, uh, who were all living, all of those listeners, they, they were living under that cruel... Roman uh, domination. So many of those people had ached for rebellion. They wanted an uprising against the Romans. I mean, that's what they wanted Jesus to be, that king, right? That, That conquering king to free them. But Jesus repeatedly pointed them to a greater kingdom, not of this world. A place where ultimate peace would be obtained. And until we arrive there, we can see God's help bring a little more peace into the world each day. We just have to look for it. We have to seek it. Then Jesus closes out the Beatitudes with this hefty section. With blessed are those persecuted because of righteousness. 
Now, you see, he's not talking about those people that are persecuted because of their own sinful actions. Now, sometimes we do stupid stuff that causes our own persecution, right? That's a big amen for me. He's talking here about those persecuted who are trying to follow him. He even talks directly, switching from third to second person, stating in verses 11 and 12, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Maybe Jesus ends on this downer of a, of a beatitude because he knows that when you try to do things God's way, sometimes the world beats you down. Now, when you came to Christ, if you were an old, older like myself, did you lose people? Did people kind of change the way they dealt with you? Some of you did. But for me, it changed an entire friend group. Disappeared. And it was probably, it was a blessing. It was God's thing. It's like Jesus was saying, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, if you offer mercy instead of revenge, if you keep pure hearts, you make peace, Expect somebody to give you a hard time. The world's not going to like it because they didn't like me or the prophets, is what he's saying. So you try to follow God, you try to do the right thing, and sometimes it just doesn't go well. So what do you do? I mean, you could have a pity party, right? You could complain about it and tell all your friends about it. Or do you remind yourself of what great company you're in? That, that they put your Lord on the cross. That you remember that Jesus says yours is the kingdom of heaven. Because great is your reward in heaven. And God's going to take care of you all the way to the end. Amen? The best kind of leaders don't ask their followers to do anything they're not themselves prepared to do. And it's the same thing here with the Beatitudes. Jesus is our great example. Who's meek? Jesus is. Who mourns over sinners? Jesus does. Who shows mercy? Jesus. Who has the purest of heart? Jesus. Who's the ultimate peacemaker? The Prince of Peace? Jesus. Who is persecuted? Jesus. It's clear, isn't it? Follow him and be blessed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sermon on the mount. Thank you that, that the words are put down for us to, to, um, to contemplate, to read and to study so that we can listen along with that first crowd and be challenged by those same Beatitudes that they were. 
Lord, help us to be sold out for Jesus. And we know we can't do this without his help. You know we want to, but but you know how often we fail. Father, we need the help of the Holy Spirit, and we're so grateful for the second chances that you give us. I pray that this week you help us to bless others and that you bless us, that you might take these blessings, these beatitudes, and let us look at them again. Let us identify them in our life. And Lord, to to be better at being those in our lives. We thank you, Jesus, for your words and for your love. And thank you, Father, for your Son, that ultimate sacrifice that gave us a way to heaven, whose resurrection gave us a home to be with you. We love you, we honor and praise you. In the precious name of Christ Jesus, we pray. All God's children said, amen. And so we are going to do the Lord's Supper. I'm going to ask the brothers to come on up so we can um, take this. If you are, if you have given your life to Christ, we invite you to, to share it with us. That's what it's about, right? Surrendering everything, giving ourselves to Christ. If we do that, then, then we hit those beatitudes, don't we? Doesn't that become a part of our life? So your challenge this week is what I already prayed about. I want you to reread those first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 5. Beginning of that Sermon on the Mount. See if you check off any of those blocks. And if you don't, what can you do about it? What can you do to apply those to your lives? Now, we're not going to hit them all at the same time every, every, all the time, are we? No. Can we shoot for it? Yes. Yes. So that's your challenge. Read through them and see what applies. And see what doesn't. And figure out how to work work it out. And if you can't, hit me up. We'll figure it out. I'll, I'll help you. I'll pray for you. Can you do that? Yes. I think you can. God bless you. I love you guys. Ladies, go downstairs and enjoy yourselves. Guys, you got the kids, so you got to go home and take take care of that. Go down and get subs. Please go down. Go even if you just throw a couple of bucks in there. Go down and and and, and grab a bag lunch. If you eat it for tomorrow for at work, take it with you. You want to close this? Sure. Do I bless Peace. the food or yeah? Go ahead and bless, bless the downstairs. <laughs> you can bless it twice. All right. Peace. I'm out. Terribly, Father, Lord, we do thank you for opening your word to us through the message you've given to Mark, Lord. We ask that you help us to realize that we have you to look to as the ultimate example, Lord. And I ask that you open our eyes to how we can be that person that you want us to be and guide us to be. Lord, we ask that you continue to guide and direct us in all that we say and do and that you bless the food downstairs 
um, either at the tea or being taken home. And Lord, it's in your precious name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.